welcome home. My earth name is Bianca, and I am a multidimensional intergalactic being exploring what it means to be human on earth. I am here to share what I've learned from the depths of the shadows to help you remember your true self as a divine being on earth. I will teach you the cheat codes of the matrix, how to heal the ego, and transcend the limitations that we created when we were asleep. Together, we will alchemize and quantify our life to experience greater abundance, fulfillment, and joy in alignment with our soul's purpose. Now let's explore this dream within the dream. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Soul Sessions and Spirit Blessings podcast. Welcome to today's Soul Session. So today we have a special guest. Um, He is actually my best friend and my partner, my current partner. Um, And we met on the very first day that I walked into a kickboxing gym. And he's ultimately helped shape my life and and helped shape a little bit of who I am today. And um, he's here today to basically share his story um, and share his story on how the world of martial arts and martial arts itself and its disciplines has helped him overcome one of the toughest and darkest moments of his life. So listeners, let's go ahead and bring this over to Quito, my partner, who's going to talk to us a little bit about his story um, and where we are and where we're going. All right. So Quito, hi. Say hi to listeners. Hi, how are you? <laughs> good, good. Okay. So baby, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell our listeners who you are, where you're from, and how you were as a kid and as a teenager. Uh, who I am? Well, I mean, I'm Originally, I'm from Houston, Texas, um, was born there, grew up there most of my childhood. My dad lived here in Tampa when I was pretty young. Um, so I was kind of part time in Florida in the summers and stuff, visiting my dad in Tampa and then um, lived with my mom and my stepdad and my half brother in Houston up until I was 16, up until my going into my junior year in high school um, where I moved out here to Tampa. Um, Like, as far as how my childhood was and how I was as a teen, I would say that my young childhood was was good. I had a really good, fun childhood. Um, Like a lot of people, I, I rebelled really hard in my early teen years and my teenage years and uh, really bumped heads with my mom and my stepdad a lot on a lot of things and that was one of the main the reason that I came out here to Tampa to live with my my father uh in Florida so you were really like a bad boy huh Uh, I mean (laughs) I think I wanted to be more of a you wanted to be yeah Um, but I did my share of getting in trouble and stuff yeah definitely more in the later years but in my teenage years okay all right all right so let's just go into let's just kind of get straight to the point so i know at some point you've told me the story about getting addicted to opioids um go ahead and kind of walk us through the beginning of the beginning of that experience going into those those that season in your life where you became addicted and it was very difficult for you so kind of explain a little bit more of the background on that and then lead us into that um i I would say I definitely dabbled and um, experimented and did my share of all of the other party 
drugs and, uh, you know, stuff like that in my teen years. And um, I had dabbled a little bit into opioids, but I never really was, I guess, really around too much of it to where it was like a major thing. It was always kind of like a side thing that right. you would do off of something else. Off of something else, yeah. Um, bike it in and Percocet, stuff like that little mm-hmm. thing. There wasn't anything that really caught my attention too much. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and I know you were doing, you started martial arts before you actually got addicted, right? Right. I, I started doing MMA and started training MMA um, in 05, 2005. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like it was still like I, ha- I hadn't really uh you know done a whole lot with the opioids it just wasn't a thing that i latched onto or that people around me were doing up until that point i when i was training like in 05 06 07 somewhere in there mm-hmm. i was in a couple car accidents real close together they weren't major car accidents but i mm. had some back issues and i went mm-hmm. to the doctor and i got um prescription for something opioid you know right and um so initially it was because you were suffering from back pain so it was really just to get some relief for i mean there was i had a couple different uh instances okay injuries where i was prescribed okay uh some pain medication and you know i'm not gonna lie i didn't take it like as it was prescribed right you know like i said i had already had a little bit of a history with with drugs so Mm -hmm. um and 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 abuse i wouldn't say addiction at that time i'll say like substance abuse. abuse okay um and nothing had ever got me to the point of addiction like that to where i felt like i didn't have control of it oh, okay um and with those it was i wouldn't it was slow uh with the opioids it wasn't a fast it wasn't like all of a sudden you know mm-hmm. um, i noticed with you know one of the like the second or third time that I got prescribed from the doctor, um, the medication, like I went through it in half the time that I was supposed to go through it. Mm, and, you okay. know, then I was trying to get more. And, right. Um, and it was kind of a combination. It was a combination of that. You know, I was training MMA at the time. I had an injury from a fight. I had mm-hmm. injuries during a training camp to mm-hmm. where, um, you know the train my trainer at the time a co another uh fighter at the time on another instance you know gave me some percocets Mm -hmm. um and i took that to continue training right you know to just which wasn't good so you're basically like self-medicating right absolutely absolutely not going to a doctor and getting the medicine but just getting it from people that i knew here and there and it wasn't a Uh thing um like a big i wasn't like a big thing I didn't really even realize until, you know, uh, you know, maybe throughout that I, I get some from somebody else and then I know somebody who has some. So I'm like, hey, let me just get like 20 of those. So that way I have them when I need them for an injury or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it, you know, you meet somebody who 
uh, knows doctors and knows pharmacists. And, right. Um, it's just, right. It was just it started becoming very easy. easy to get mass amounts of these pills, especially in this area of the country at that time. Mm. You know, nothing. Uh, it was a major crisis at that time. At the time, this mm-hmm. was the beginning of the opi- opioid epidemic here, right. here in Florida. And we have people I remember from that. all over the country mm-hmm. coming here to Tampa to get these pills because you could go to, you know, any corner in West Tampa mm-hmm. and, and get them from a pharmacy, from mm-hmm. a, from a, from a over pain the counter. clinic. Yeah. From a, well, not over the counter. No, you had to have a, still had to have a prescription. Right. But okay. there was pain management clinics everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it what you just had to know the person to refer you to that pain management clinic. And you went in there. And like I said, also in my case, and a lot of people's cases, I had, um, prior back injuries mm. and I had paper I had MRIs showing that I had right. you had proof so it was justify so the, the doctors were like no problem and you know right off rip I mean once you start getting the prescriptions I'm getting going from getting five ten on the street from somebody to getting 80 in a, in a, in a bottle. And then they're also giving me Xanax and other stuff that I didn't even really take, but they said, Oh, here, take this for mm-hmm. sleep and this and to that. Supplement. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, it was just, they were just, and, and, uh, like I said, at the time, you know, the, the DEA wasn't linked up with the pharmacies, wasn't linked up with the, uh, with the doctors and basically the pharmacy. So, um, you could go to multiple doctors and, you know, doctor shopping. That's why people were coming from all over. And it was very easy to get wrapped up into that. Mm. Um, and just to have uh, just a mass amount, a surplus of of these pills. I mean, they just had to be being so crazily produced at that time because right. of the amount that these doctors were prescribing people a month. You know, I have one doctor that would prescribe 240, another doctor, 180, another doctor, 200, you know, right. all these guys, you know, I mean, so at they, this point it was so readily accessible. It was just so easy. So you were able to get such large amounts all the time, basically. So it started with one pill a day, two pills a day, and then it increased to what? I mean, it really, you know, like with 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 other drugs, I guess, as well, like you start in order to afford your own habit, you start selling it to mm-hmm. other people that you know that need it and mm-hmm. want it. And, um, and that was, you know, easy to happen to do especially at that time period it seemed like everybody i knew even people from school back in you know in in high school and every everything you know everybody was doing them you know but um i'm sorry what was your question (laughs) it's okay it's okay so basically it started so it became an addiction like at first it was you know with the other drugs it was more of an abuse but it became an addiction when what well i mean at that I kind of, like I said, was more of a gradual thing. Uh, you know, I went from doing a couple um, and running out of the prescriptions to by the time that I was getting prescriptions from the doctor um, and doctor shopping, literally, like mm-hmm. by that point in time, you know, I'm I'm already, you know, addicted, I would say. And I that was the first thing that I ever uh, 
realized like really what withdrawals were. I didn't even understand. I do you don't understand the concept of what withdrawals are until mm-hmm. you really go through them. Through I think a lot of times you can go, you could get a prescription from a doctor after a heart surgery or dental or something, and um, you don't realize if you take those for three weeks that that's already rewired your your brain and it's already changed in your body. That when you stop taking them, you might think, oh, I got the runs from something that I ate or mm-hmm. I'm not sleeping well from something and it very well could be withdrawal symptoms you know mm-hmm. and that was something that um back then uh like that was what when i really knew was you know that's when you know was when you start getting withdrawals and then it's not about um the pain anymore mm. it's about not being sick you know it changes from taking them for pain mm-hmm. um, to it doesn't they even you know they've said now they don't uh continue to work you have to keep, keep taking more so your pain tolerance pain, actually gets worse yeah it gets your higher pain tolerance assume, things yes. that wouldn't have been as painful or maybe on a scale of one to ten would have been a four before now they're a seven um and mm. you, you got to take them more often and you mm-hmm. got to take higher doses for it to you know for it to work um but you know when that point when you're when you're now taking them out of necessity to not be sick, sick from not, not having withdrawals, them. Mm-hmm. that's when you're, you're that's hooked. when it's really bad that's when it's like you're hooked it's it's happened you know you you never really thought or you hear about it and i just i played and did a lot of other things and nothing mm-hmm. grabbed a hold of me like that like day. that and how long were you going like how were you like how long would you say was the process of your addiction like how long were you addicted to it so i would say like i was probably addicted to it and didn't realize at first right for for maybe a year or two but Mm -hmm. i would say the full length of where i was deep into it until i finally like pulled myself out was about six five to six years five to six years wow okay okay and at what point did you realize i need help i need to get help because i can i mean i need help i like Um, this is a problem this is a real problem so throughout the i get it maybe three years into it i you know had dug myself so deep into uh, a hole financially and just burning all my bridges and uh at work and it got to the point that um i knew i had no option but to go to my parents i went to my dad first and my dad and me have a very close relationship but uh i did get in some trouble back when i was like 20 19 20 years old and um really caused a lot of stress on him uh and you know i didn't want to to do that again and i felt like i was much older at this time and that i you know shouldn't be going through these things but um i did get to the point where i went to my dad and said hey um 
I cannot do this on my own. That was when I really, really, I, when I got the, the courage and I knew that I had no other option but to go to my father and say, I cannot quit this. Like, I literally will tell myself, okay, when I get this money, I'm going to go pay Tico. And as soon as the money would hit my hand, I would go do what, you know, I would just go waste it and do what I said I wasn't going to do. And right. I, I, it was just the craziest thing to me, but I realized that I did not have control um, and I feel like at that point, maybe three, four years into it, I had already said verbally that I was going to quit. And, um, you know, I had friends, very close friends call me out on being addicted and stuff and mm-hmm. how bad I was on it. And I didn't want to face it, but mm-hmm. I think I knew, uh, you know, at that time. And by the time I got to where I went and, um, Asked my dad, I I knew at that time that I couldn't do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I begged him, like, literally lock me in a room because if it's faced with whatever or going through withdrawals, I'm going to take the whatever. And if that right. meant robbing, if that meant doing something whatever. that I normally would never do, right? you know, that really, it just broke all those, <laughs> you know, like. Barriers, it boundaries. Was just like, it not, was just like, you know, it consumed me. You know, it changed mm-hmm. it changed me who I was as a person at that time. You mm-hmm. know, like I feel like I was not the same person. Mm-hmm. When I look back on it now, I still feel that way. I know that that was me, and I know that that person is in there. But um, I look at it like um, like that character in Lord of the Rings. You know, mm-hmm. like Gollum, man. Like I was yeah. so deep in it. Yeah, it just consumed me. Yeah. Know? Um, and I wasn't a strong person at that time. I mm-hmm. wasn't, uh, you know, I was very weak. And to be honest, the only thing that kept me was that I, I had my son and I raised my son and I take care of my son myself. And I'm a single parent. And right. You were a single dad. That's right. And that's the only thing because uh, I didn't care about myself and I didn't love myself at the time mm-hmm. enough that I wouldn't. I don't think I would have pulled myself out or even gone to my dad and told him, you know, that right. I or have the courage to um, go. Right. Cause I did it for him more than for me at the time. I knew, uh, that was, you know, those thoughts, um, having friends with kids overdose and them finding them and experiencing that and knowing that you don't, that you wouldn't want Xavier to experience yeah. that himself. I just couldn't live with myself. Right. Know? Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, okay. So now let's move forward into the recovery process. So you confess, you ask for help, and then you start going to get help. Right. Um, yeah. And I remember that you kind of fell off a couple times, you tumbled a right. couple times. And then, so, t- so, so tell us about that. Tell us about that experience. Yeah. I mean, I, so I went to my dad, that was the first time. Um, and, you know, he tried to help me and we want, I wanted to go to a, a, a program where you go away because as deep as I was, um, there's a lot of programs that are like a three-day detox, four-day mm-hmm. detox, and that mm-hmm. wouldn't have done nothing for me. Mm-hmm. I was like a seven-day detox, going through withdrawals, not sleeping, going right. up, you know, yeah. for like seven days. So I've already gone through like a three-day detox, and I was still sick, and I didn't. I just went right back to getting to make me not sick. You right. know, I had to go back to work. 
had to take care of my son. I said, I can't do it like this. You right. Know? Absolutely. Um, and that was it. It was like maintaining just to be able to handle my responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, you know, did it for as long as I could. And then I went and went to my mom and called my mom in, in Texas and told her I couldn't, couldn't do it on your do own. It on my own. And mm-hmm. then I had already told my dad and then I, you know, she came out and, um, we did a Suboxone program. A Suboxone is a is a drug that they give you for opioid uh, opioid addiction. That it is supposed to help you with withdrawals. You're not supposed to have the withdrawals, mm-hmm. but it also blocks those op- opiate receptors in your brain that mm. get you that allow you to get high. Mm. So the idea was you take the Suboxone. And even if you try to take the uh, opiates, you mm-hmm. cannot get high from it. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know. I just I can't explain why. But you know, like I mean, I tested that several times. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I took the Suboxone and still went and would spend money that just, I didn't have. Right. To try to get it. It wasn't to try working. To get that high and didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt really bad because you know my mom came and stayed for like a week and. Uh, and after she left, I did good for about two weeks. And then I, you know, I, I started saying, well, every now and then I can, you know, um, dabble a little bit. So I would sell the Suboxone, mm. um, to, you know, but I would have to stop taking it for two or three days to right. get high. And, right. And, and then you would get you know sick. It, and mm-hmm, then the whole cycle is just repeating over and over. And my mom was like gracious enough to be helping me out and help me out financially with that. Right. You know, I took advantage of that. Um, you know, I mean, and I, I mean, I literally got to the points of, you know, telling my dad, like, I cannot have any money. Like I, I hand my paychecks over. I have to meet him at the grocery store. I have to meet him at the gas station because even if I told him, if you give me $20 and be lazy and say, no, just here, I'll give you it and put it in your gas tank. I won't do it. So don't do that. You know, meet me at the gas station and put gas. It seemed like this, basically this, this pill, these pills turned you into a whole completely different person into like one that it was so reliant on it that you literally had to give up all other control yeah, because no, you had sure. none like if i yes exactly. no self-control like if i you know yes exactly and somewhere along the line uh, with my mom when she came out i believe or you know i was we were investigated and researched and um there there's a daco program here mm-hmm. in tampa that's mm-hmm. an outpatient program mm. um and there's also majority of people there are required to go there for whatever charges and court ordered to ah, there. okay okay but they are allowed to go there um and pay and okay it's a lot cheaper uh-huh than to going away mm-hmm. um and so we we figured that was the only road that we could even attempt to do right that was your most viable option at the time and you know um and so i tried that and i just like the other stuff i i didn't fully commit to it right away and Mm -hmm. i still messed around and i um quit going once or twice and uh you know then we'd go back and uh no, the doctors would tell you, come on, don't keep messing up, right? And that yeah, happened a couple times. You know, the yeah. counselors. And I would skip a day because I knew if I went and messed up and, 
did some some of the you know the opiates that you know then when i come back they're gonna pop uh drug test me so yeah yeah um but i started that daco program and after a while it took me a while but after a while and other other instances happening at the same time i I probably went to that daco program for over a year a year and a half Mm -hmm. before i really 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 was seriously like okay i'm really serious i'm done with this you know like up until that whole year and a half i still still played around you were still in and out in and i would do good for Mm -hmm. two weeks and then i would mess up i would do good for four weeks and then i would mess up i would do good for a week and then i would mess up and then i would quit going and then something would happen and i'd know that i couldn't that was my only way out i would know that i i would i would quit going and i so it's a methadone program they give you methadone methadone is like the suboxone but it doesn't block those receptors so you can take methadone and not get sick okay but you can still go get other opiates and get high as well. And uh, right. people get very high off the methadone too. And they right. go there and they up their doses. And so I thought, well, I can get methadone on the streets as well mm-hmm. very easily. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll just wean myself down on the methadone and get off. And it just never works out that way. You know, you yeah. just can't get it at the time when you need it and you can't get as much. And then when that runs out, you have to get the opiates. It just never worked out. And that's why I knew like I couldn't do it myself. Um, and then couple a couple of events happened um you know one of the guys the guy that kind of got me into all the doctor shopping and stuff um he got arrested and big time like was going away for a while and he had warned me to get out um all the dea was linking up with all of the pharmacies so doctor shopping was going to be gone gone yeah you know um even just my habit at that point in time, like I wouldn't have been able to keep up my habit without selling the amount that I was selling because of the amount that I was doing. I mean, it's like I was testing what people would say, the amounts that you could do. I, I would push it, you know, and mm. I did, you know, I would have to have at least hundreds of those on me a day because it wasn't it wasn't uncommon for me to do more than 20 you know, Roxy 30 milligrams or, you know, a combination of, you know, 30s and 80s and, you know, just on crazy amounts of it. Yeah. That's why the withdrawals were so bad. Yeah. But um, this guy got arrested and I knew that that road was coming to an end, mm. um, that there was no way around that. Mm-hmm. And Either you were going to get caught. The or you were going to go some right yeah. where I was. The risk was getting way too really high. Bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wasn't going to be able to get the ones to sell anymore. That mm-hmm. was coming to an end. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, um, a really close friend of mine for a long time that I worked with, uh, also like OD'd, and he OD'd one time at my house, and I got the ambulance and they got him back, and you know I thought you know that that would have did something to wake him up to change his mind Mm -hmm. two weeks later he he still died and od'd again so Mm. that combined with um my my guy getting arrested Mm -hmm. and i had literally quit going again to the clinic i hadn't been there maybe in like two or three weeks Mm -hmm. and, and uh 
you know, just the scare of my friend getting arrested. And I got a call from my dad about, are you going to the clinic? And I, you know, I was honest and I told him no. And he, he's like, you better get your ass back in there. You know? Yeah. And uh, I went, uh, I was going back to the clinic. I started going back to the clinic. Um, I think, you know, even still that I was going, I messed up a couple times. And eventually you had an intervention, right? Right. I, I had a dirty dirty urine test and Mm -hmm. it was like my last strike and they called me into this meeting with you know with all the counselors and the head counselor and the doctors and and they you know basically were like what are you gonna do when you we kick you out of here and you know you have to go back to the streets to to help this addiction and this habit and you're eventually you're going to get arrested and what's going to happen with your son and that's what you said you know and what's the most important thing and it, then that really hit me that like that i had no more chances everything was coming to an end like i really had to get out of that life in that world uh, and i had to get out and i at this point now, I mean, this has been like... And you weren't training anymore at this point. When yeah, you were this no, deep I mean, in, you were no longer no, training. Like, it took me away from all of that. It took me, you know, in the beginning, I was still, you know, like I said, because I was taking bit, it right, to for the pain. help me with the pain. But it got to the point where I wasn't training at all. I, I totally let my fighting career just fall to the side and completely uh let my my body go let my health go mm-hmm. you know and i and all of that stuff you know you don't think about it at the time but like your teeth and, and you know you don't know what you're doing to your liver and your or in your organs and stuff in mm-hmm. there, um at that time so but yeah i mean and then so after the intervention you said this is it this no more playing this is enough this is the last straw i'm moving forward and i'm doing it right i'm going to do whatever it takes but i'm not going through this again so tell us from that experience on forward how so i knew that? that i i basically i knew that i had to just buy into this program and quit questioning and quit testing and quit trying to get away with stuff and just get up every day and go to this program. And I knew that I had to have a routine. Uh, I, I I had trained before and when I trained MMA and, and mixed martial arts, um, it was such a passion of mine that, that it consumed, you know, consumed me. And uh, I knew that as deep of these bad habits were that I had to have something super strong to replace replace that that bad habit with Mm -hmm. and i i had trained before on a level to to be pro and i knew what it took Mm -hmm. and i knew that i could do that Mm -hmm. and i knew that if i just gave my all into that into my training um that i would be able to stay healthy and keep my mind occupied stay away from all the people like i i changed my phone number i moved um you know people no matter how close i thought we were i cut them all out Uh, i disappeared i really like went i really went off the grid literally Mm. for about three years like Mm. i literally went off the grid and um you know but um the combination of the methadone which I, i knew i had to have a plan and my mm-hmm. plan was to replace those those times, those habits, my mindset just to completely change to training. I'm gonna compete again. And every moment uh, I was gonna use that to help me to help me quit. Whenever I would have 
like when I was going through withdrawals at that time, even with the methadone in the beginning, um, you're still, you have to, you, your body has to balance to the level of the methadone because mm -hmm. I, I was doing such high amounts. Mm -hmm. So I was still going through withdrawals, even when, and I, this was even when I finally decided, you know, mm -hmm. um, so like I would do squats until my legs couldn't stand anymore mm -hmm. you know what i mean um, mm -hmm. because i was having these withdrawal feelings and stuff i would get up and couldn't sleep and i would just do push-ups or i would run uh, i would i would go outside and run a lot um and just the combination of everything with the routine and the, the physical changes that it was doing with me being healthy because i was working out i was also conscious of my diet i was eating right which i definitely wasn't doing when i was abusing the drugs i wasn't mm -hmm. eating right um i was you know sleeping better mm. um, you know with the one of the biggest problems i had with the withdrawals was sleep man i couldn't sleep i would i would just have tears in my eyes just lay there twitching all night because mm -hmm. i couldn't fall asleep mm -hmm. and then have to get up and go to work the next day mm. and it would just be so draining and miserable and exhausting yeah but um working out being physical pushing my body hard you know mm -hmm. pushing my body and uh hard to where i was like exhausted afterwards um i could fall asleep i could sleep good you know it, it helped with my appetite and to be honest too like that you know like what they call that runner's high mm -hmm. you know i get that when i train as hard as i train you know and when i push myself beyond those limits where mm -hmm. my body wants to quit and that i kind of replaced that 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 high with with that the natural with high the natural that high. I get yeah. after training, even after sparring, after you go to a gym and spar a bunch of people that you don't know, you yeah, know? yeah, like you have that high, right? You know? and, right, it's and the rush, yeah. I kind of just replaced it, mm -hmm. you know, uh, with with those things, and you know, I was lucky enough to have a, a really cool doctor that. I worked with there at the DACO program that believed that uh, believed in me that I was going to do it. I mean, basically, he he said, I believe that you know what you're doing and that you're going to do it. And I'm sure he's had a hundred people sit in that chair telling that they were going to quit. But I was at that point, at that point, I was I was literally like dead serious for real. I'm so sick and tired of this. You're so sick and tired of being so sick and tired. tired of being sick. So be it, it had been like three years. It felt like just being sick mm. at the end of it. Mm. I never got it wasn't fun anymore. anymore. Yeah. It was just not being sick. And I was just always sick. And yeah, I was so ready to be over it. And the fact that I had a little bit of clean time with the methadone, um, I wasn't going to I wasn't going to go back for nothing. I, I literally knew that the that backwards was death. Mm. I had seen it mm. I still to this day, lost so many more friends mm. from, to the same thing from that point when I quit, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, mm -hmm. which has been over 10 years now. It was like 12. You 12. said it was like 13. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, it was right in between right after I think I had turned 30 in there. Mm -hmm. um, 30, 31. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But okay. I knew at that point that I was not going back no matter what. Uh, and I, I did, I did 
just that. You, you did know? exactly what you needed to do. And the doctor, this this is very profound for me. And I want you and I, I would like for you, you listeners to understand it only takes one person, one person to truly believe in you, one person to give you the chance and your will to actually want to be better, to be to 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 be better, to do better, um, not only for yourself, mostly for yourself, but he, you also did it for your son as well. So right. that is very, very powerful. So basically the main, the foundations of your recovery consisted of you replacing the habits with the, with the, with different habits. And those habits are the, are the ones that kind of propelled you into full recovery because you recovered completely. Um, and then you really was able to then really continue to grow your passion as a martial artist, right? Yeah, well, something that I kind of had left out of that is, right, I, I would say I had maybe maybe close to a year of when I say sober time, a lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't consider it sober because I was taking methadone, but mm -hmm. it's, it's prescribed just like you're prescribed you know, something for depression or mm -hmm. whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, I was using it as the doctor prescribed it. Um, so from what I consider sober time, I probably had about close to a year maybe. And mm -hmm. I met a gentleman that I had met earlier in my fight career or earlier in my training before um, the opiate addiction. And I met him at through a job at work and he also was a recovered addict. Um, so I feel like meeting him um, and I, he took me under his wing. He became my instructor and that became the system that I became a fourth on a fourth degree black belt in. Um, I definitely feel like even though I had already made the decision to be sober and to quit and I wasn't going back, it, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. him coming into my life at that time gave me that avenue to be able to really do martial arts and expand that because earlier in my MMA, um, I, I wasn't as, I didn't have as much classical martial arts training or any specific, like, uh, I didn't have wrestling background or something like that. So I, I knew that I needed to go back and get some type of a base, of a strong foundation of some type of martial arts. And mm -hmm. I want, I'm, I, I'm a striker at heart. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to fine tune my, I felt like I had good hands at the time and I wanted my kids <laughs> to be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and little did I know that my hands were probably actually hot garbage at that time. No, no, don't say that. <laughs> but um, this, this guy that I met, that was my instructor, he ended up, uh, really helping me i trained with him for like nine years from that point um, mm. on and mm. trained he gave me that avenue because he was just as crazy as me and he needed it just as much as me and mm. so we mm. trained three four times a week you right. know after work you know straight to training uh, right it really i it changed my whole lifestyle literally changed you know my son would go with me and sit there in training uh, uh -huh. know, until he was 10 11 and then he started participating training in classes himself. and you know yeah. he got up to a brown belt actually uh in in the system um, yeah but it really he's did. pretty good <laughs> I, I i can definitely contest he's very very good yeah so yeah. that that was what really helped me 
um, with that molding that that passion of the martial arts. I mm. I was always loved it, and I always wanted to be a fighter. And to be honest, um, at that point when I'm in the beginning of my recovery, um, I wasn't sure if I would still be able to compete. Mm. I felt like I had squandered my opportunities mm -hmm. and i was very hard on myself about it i was mm. very upset with myself because i let that stuff go over my addiction mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. meeting my instructor he was older and he was in great shape and mm -hmm. i said you know what at the time i was like 30 and i was like dude I'm, i could give this a run and um you know when i was 35 i, I had my next competition mm -hmm. kickboxing competition and mm -hmm. um haven't stopped since then yeah um, now I'm doing my own thing as far as training. I don't train with with my instructor that uh, that I trained with to mm -hmm. in the system. In mm -hmm. the past. Um, but it is definitely still my my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. and, you mm -hmm. know, uh, I definitely knew you had a very strong passion for it. I mean, the very first day I walked in, um, mind you, you know, you were the, you were teaching that day and I was completely brand new, by the way. I've never done martial arts in my life. I didn't even know what martial arts was, honestly. And I walk in and he's teaching a kickboxing class. And, you know, I could tell from the way that he was teaching his, his there was so much passion and there was so much. Um, I could tell that his love for this was so strong that he wanted everybody else to feel it just as much. So he would want to teach, you know, he would want to help everybody actually get the basics, get the foundations, learn the technical skills of it because of how passionate he was. And, you know, that definitely I've, I've been very privileged to have learned all of my basics and all foundations and a lot of what I am today as, as a fighter is due to you. So thank you. I'm so grateful for your love and your passion for martial arts. So being so that now, I know that we currently, um, we have a team and we are looking into really expanding and growing and, you know, opening up a fitness center in the near future. Um, what else do you what are some other things that you want to do moving forward? Um, you, you, you know, I know that the recovery and that you want to be able to help a lot of people. So tell me a little bit about that. So, um, so I would say when, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you kind of blanked out. No, it's okay. It's okay. So basically what I'm saying is what are your future plans? What is your vision for your future? So what what I was going to say was that I before when I first got my recovery, I mean, I was so focused on just the recovery um, that after I had some sober time and had some recovery, um, even though I was training in martial arts and stuff, um, you know, I did kind of have a, some depression um, because I felt like I had squandered my opportunities. I felt like that's. Uh, I didn't want any of these nine to five jobs that I was mm. doing. And I felt like that was um, what I wanted to do. And I was like, oh, you missed your opportunity to be a fighter. Mm. You know? And mm. um, I really didn't think about teaching until until I got my black belt from my instructor. Um, and that made me say like, you know, oh, wow, you know, I can teach this and when i started teaching in his class to the other students and just started warming up the classes and doing drills and stuff i started really 
realizing how much I enjoyed teaching it, mm-hmm. how much I had a passion for teaching it, for the basics and the fundamentals of it, um, and helping other people get it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just realized that, like teaching it in general, maybe that I was like, oh, you know, I, you know, coaching, teaching that, that, you know, at this point, I realized that I needed a purpose. I needed something, you know, to have a meaning for what I was doing and what I had gone through. Mm-hmm. And the fact that my instructor also had gone through addiction, was in recovery and used martial arts pretty much to replace those habits. And the fact that it was so big in the mind, um, after kind of teaching and wanting to teach, I realized that my, like, truly, like, that I feel like my calling is, yes, I love for people to learn how self-defend themselves, yes. I love for people to be in shape and to be healthy and to be physically active, yes. Mm-hmm. Those are reasons that I wanna teach and that I want to coach. I, and I love arts and I love practicing arts and martial arts is, to me, my closest. Uh, but if I could also help someone go through recovery, getting off of anything really but i especially am passionate about anybody who's coming off opiates um and i know not not everybody it's not going to work for them you know but if there's one person two people that can just say hey you know what i mean like make that commitment this is something that i could do this is something i've always been interested in uh look the, the martial arts as a you know the the personality of the person it's a unique individual not yeah, everybody's in trains yeah all the time martial arts and i get that but you know even if it even if it is for a temporary time and it gets someone through addiction um through their recovery to be able to get their mind and their bodies healthy again and to be able to overcome that if Mm -hmm. if that happens that would be to me like that would be my purpose that would be something that i feel like okay that's what i was supposed to do absolutely you know that's why i went through what i went through and it wasn't uh you know because you beat yourself up a lot over it you know and if it's not if it wasn't just you know for no reason or i'm just a mess up or i'm just a screw up but if i can turn it around and help someone else uh to not let them lose to that fight you know yeah that would be the most to me like i would be happy i don't even need to be paid for it type of thing (laughs) yeah you know absolutely absolutely well thank you so much thank you so much for sharing your story um i'm really grateful that you've opened your heart and allowed yourself to be vulnerable um and the person who needs to hear this will hear this when they need to hear this and um i'm just so grateful that spirit has offered us the opportunity to sit here and open our hearts and um allow us to be able to share your story um in the most profound and impactful way um if this message resonated with you or if you want to connect um um, please reach out. Um, so his Instagram actually is at Team Vicious MMA, um, and hopefully you'll get a your own personal account soon, right? Um, and um, as you guys know, if you guys want to know a little bit more, is there anything else that you would like to leave our lovely listeners with? Um, no, not really. Like you said, I mean, if uh, if anybody is listening, that 
is wondering or questioning, uh, you know, call call somebody go to it go to a gym near you if you're not out here you know if, if it ain't me um there's somebody out there that is willing to hold pads for you or teach you how to punch a bag or uh give you some skills that you can that you can do to to uh help you out and fill your time yeah okay well thank you thank you so much for that message thank you so 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 much for listening and i hope that you guys have a wonderful day and if you guys know anybody absolutely anybody that is going through this or if you yourself are going through this please reach out um we would love to talk to you we would love to connect um thank you for tuning in on today's soul session and i hope everybody has a blessed and divine day thank you A deep, deep thank you for pressing play and co-creating this moment together. If today's message resonated with you, please leave a five-star written review and share it for others to also experience quantum alchemy. Together, we are exploring the highest of timelines and the destination is unconditional love. Until next time, much love.